0: of you have seen the movie Enchanted. Great movie, we're going to be talking about that. We're starting a new series today called Summer Blockbusters. We take different movies and we take some uh, themes out of those and I think you're going to enjoy today. I hope you enjoy today. This is one of the series that people look forward to the most, I guess, because I talk less and you get to watch more, so I understand that. So let's, yeah, 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 shut up. (coughs) John, I think that was John, wasn't it? Uh Uh-huh. Friends like that. If you're like me, you've had a friend who's come to you at some point in their life and in their married relationship, and they have asked your advice about marriage, and your friend would probably start with a list of things that his wife was doing that was driving him crazy, and then he would go into a list of things that his wife was not doing that he wished she would do, and that was bothering him and driving him crazy. Uh, if the problems had been going on for very long, you would begin to realize just by listening to your friend that your friend had fallen out of love with his wife. And you never, you never see movies about that, right? You never, you never uh, have any instructions on, on how to rekindle the flames of, of marriage and love once you've fallen out of them. As you listen to your friend, it would seem so clear to you that if his wife would stop doing certain things, start doing other things, that this guy would feel loved, he would feel secure, and he just might fall back in love with her. So being the good friend that you are, you decide to talk to his wife because you're going to try to help save this marriage, and you bring his list of complaints to talk to her. How do you think that's going to work? Before you even get a word in, she starts with her list of complaints about what he's doing. And you would hear some of the outrageous stuff your friend was doing that was upsetting her. And then you would realize that he'd done a miserable job of making her feel secure and loved. And if she was really, really honest with you, you would realize that her feelings of love for him were just as bad as his feelings of love for her. In fact, they were non-existent. And... Um, you would realize that what's going on is she can see his problems very clearly. He can see her problems very clearly, but they're not seeing their own problems. Y'all ever had that experience? Well, that's kind of where we pick up our movie today. This scene you're going to see, this husband and wife are getting a divorce. They're sitting at a table with their divorce lawyers, and they are um, dividing up the assets when their emotions erupt. Watch this scene. No. No way you're getting him, Ethan. You just want him because I want him. Well, I'm not letting you have him. Forget it, Phoebe. Hank is coming with me. wait a minute. Hey, excuse me, guys. I'm getting confused here. Who's Hank? Hank Aaron. Milwaukee Braves. His 1954 rookie card. A baseball card?
1: That's what this gets down to is a baseball card.
0: You never loved Hank like I did. You never loved me like you love Hank. What did I ever Excuse do to make me, you so angry? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Why
1: don't you ask oh, yeah. yourself what you did not do? It's a much longer list. What
0: would you do if you couldn't blame I have to pick everything on oh, morning I'm glad it was a long,
1: happy life. do you Great. Okay. No, well, I'll see you then. You, you just try. Okay, Phoebe. I'll see you in the morning. i see oh, how
0: far you. Oh, need. you're okay. just
1: that. afraid. I don't need you. So no,
2: after a whole day of that, you still want to get engaged? Oh,
1: please. Those people got married on a crazy romantic whim. It's not like that with Nancy and I. Oh, that's
2: right. None of that crazy romantic stuff for
1: you, huh? Oh, come on. I mean, <laughs> we're rational. Oh. <laughs> no, we've taken the time to understand each other's strengths and weaknesses. Sounds like you're building a bridge.
2: Have you told your daughter yet?
1: No, I haven't Not yet, but I'm going to tonight. That's the tricky part. I got a present to ease her into it, though. And
2: with yeah. news like this, I hope you got her a Shetland pony.
1: No. Something much better
2: than
1: that. A book? Oh, come on. Don't give me that look. I know it's not that fairy tale book you wanted, but this is better. Look at this, see? Rosa Parks, Madame Curie. She was a remarkable woman who dedicated her life to research until she died from radiation poisoning. She died? Yeah, hi. Tomorrow morning be great. Yeah, 7.30? Yes, let me call you later. Yeah, all right. It's Nancy. -hmm. Mm -hmm. She's a lot like the woman in your book. Sweetie. I'm going to ask her to marry me.
2: What?
1: Yeah, you like her, don't you? We all get along. We have a good time together. Where's she going to live? Well, she's going to live with us.
2: Do I have to give up my
1: bedroom? No, you don't have to give up your bedroom, no. Come on, it's going to be great. I promise. It's not like she's going to try and be your mother.
2: I mean stepmother. All
1: right, she's going to be a nice stepmother. And she's going to take you to school tomorrow, just you and her, for some grown-up girl bonding time.
0: I'm only six. You won't always be. So, Patrick Dempsey's character, Robert, doesn't understand women, and he's going to get a rude awakening in just a little bit. I disagree with one of his statements. He says that uh, most people get married on a crazy, romantic whim. I don't think most people do that. I think that during the dating process, you find someone who is focused on meeting your needs, and the more they do that, you get romantically involved with them, and eventually you give them your heart. What nobody tells you, though, is that everything you do and everything your spouse does either builds up your love account or destroys that love account. So, um, shortly after telling his daughter that he is going to marry a woman that she doesn't really like, they, uh, a, a princess in distress comes upon the scene. And because this is a Walt Disney movie, you know that they have to help a princess in distress. Now, here's the problem. If you've seen the movie, you know that she is an animated character in a book. And because of the evil queen, there's always an evil queen, right? The evil queen pushes her in this wishing well. She comes uh, in in bodily form to New York City, and she's in distress. Now, this causes all kinds of problems because she's this eternal optimist, and she's in New York City. And the biggest problem happens whenever Robert's soon-to-be fiancé stumbles into this scene, and she does not understand why Giselle is in his house. Check this out out
2: wow it's really neat in here you guys got a maid no not exactly don't worry my friends will do that oh. 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 Uh-huh.
1: Nancy oh hello who is this this is nothing this is nothing I, this, is this is nothing
2: I was on my way to get married. She's married.
1: No, she's not. Not oh, no. yet. Just oh. not yet.
2: What does that mean? Yet?
1: Nancy, she was lost. I was just trying to help her.
2: With what? Finding the shower? No, the shower. Was, the shower is wonderful, Nancy. You awesome. really That's should get the shower. Thank, you, Thank show. you very
1: much. It's, okay. Guess, it's, it's, yeah. Talk about
2: what, Robert? How I never stay the night because we both agreed Morgan's here and you have to maintain some boundaries and I thought I'm so lucky he's sensitive. I didn't realize
1: you were worried about crowd control. Okay, so we'll talk later. Don't bet on it. What about taking Morgan to school, you know? Some grown-up girl bonding time. What, so you can have some grown-up girl bonding
2: time? I don't think so. Goodbye. Oh, she is lovely.
1: Get dressed, please, for school. Just, please.
0: 38 and 7.
2: That's
1: Hello? Okay, you know what? You gotta go. Look, I don't know what your deal is, if you're waiting for Prince Charming or you're just... Prince
2: Edward. Whatever.
1: I'll get you to a bus, a train, a plane, wherever, and then that, that's it. I can't, I can't get involved after that. Where did you get that?
2: I made it. Do you like it? You're unhappy.
1: You made a dress out of my curtains?
2: Oh, you are unhappy. I am so sorry.
1: Oh, I'm not unhappy. I'm angry. Angry? Yes, it's an unpleasant emotion. Have you ever heard of it?
2: Oh, I have heard of it.
1: You have created a completely unnecessary problem with Nancy that I now have to resolve. See, the fact is, I was just getting ready to take a very serious step forward. A proposal, actually. Oh! Well, now she's got it in her mind that you and I... Kissed? Yeah, something like that.
2: (laughs) Oh, no. You should sing to her. Sing to her. And maybe that would reassure her of your affections. You need to rush to her side and pull her in your arms and then pour your heart out in a beautiful ballad. And then she'll know for sure. Why are you staring
1: at me? I don't know. It's, it's like you escaped from a
0: homework card or something.
1: Is that a bad
0: thing? That would fix everything, guys, wouldn't it? If you sang to her a beautiful ballad, right? She'd think you're nuts, some of you guys. <coughs> Robert is about to make a huge mistake by proposing to the wrong girl. You can see it coming, right? Uh, Even this early in the movie. And um, if if he were to make this proposal, if he were to go ahead through with this, it wouldn't take long after they were married, for cracks to begin to show in their marriage. Because marriage doesn't fix problems. Marriage reveals problems. I would even say marriage magnifies the problems. And so just because you've considered your strengths and weaknesses doesn't guarantee that you're going to have a happy marriage. Um, I'm basing a lot of what we're using today out of this book by Willard Harley called Love Busters. And I wanted to read you a quote. We're going to put it on the screen, what he says about marriage. I like this. He said, marriage is like an aircraft with exceptional performance when it flies fast. But when it flies slowly, it cannot stay aloft. It stalls and crashes. A mediocre marriage lacking passion will not remain mediocre very long. Once you lose your feeling of love in your marriage, it's a slippery slope all the way down to disliking or even hating each other. Instead of bringing out the best in each other, you find yourselves bringing out the worst. So what he's saying is when passion is gone, all of those commitments that you made before God, maybe before a justice of the peace, those commitments tend to go out the window too when you lose the feelings of love. So... Back to the movie, we're gonna see this couple. They've just about figured out all of the dividing of the assets. It seems to be calm when when the, the marriage is about to die, it's about to end. Giselle comes into the scene and she can't understand divorce. Check this out. Oh
1: uh, yes. There we go. Good. Well, I have to say I, I, I really think that went well. There's no reason not to be reasonable.
0: Great.
1: I think we might actually be in the neighborhood of settlement. Would you excuse me? I'm going to check on your cars for six <laughs> She what? has what? no driver's license, right. no passport. I can't even find this place she comes from. What place? Andalusia. Andalasia. Yeah,
2: whatever. What? I've called every travel agent,
1: every airline. I don't know if it's a country or a city. Well, it can't be a state. We're
2: like a state of mind. And she told me it's just beyond the meadows of joy and the valley of contentment. I mean, hmm. what is that all about? Oh, my goodness. Your hair is lovely. Oh, you're beautiful. Well, thank you. The man who holds your heart is a lucky fellow indeed. Will you try telling him that? Oh, well, I'm certain he already knows. Excuse me? Are you him? You are very lucky. I mean, just look at the way her eyes sparkle. It's no wonder you're in love.
1: I got it. Excuse me, I'm sorry, Giselle, please. It's not like that, all They're not together anymore, huh?
2: I don't understand.
1: They're getting a divorce.
2: Separated from each other, okay? Separating? Yeah. For how long? Forever.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Forever and ever? Yes. Oh, no. What
1: are you doing? Don't cry. Are you crying? No, she's not. I'm
2: she's... sorry, I can't help is it is she actually crying? It's just so sad. What kind <laughs> of an operation are you oh, running Phoebe, here? Phoebe,
1: please, this me. is so unprofessional. Good morning, Phoebe. How are you? It's good to... If you guys are trying to to manipulate us, we can throw this whole deal out. What is going on here? Who's she? Uh, A friend. No, you know, she's an acquaintance, actually. Robert, you're the one who begged me to put you on the case, and this is what I get for it. I walk in here and find everybody upset. Some girl's crying like we're on Oprah. I'll take care of her. Carl, it's going to be fine. What is wrong with you,
2: me? Yes,
1: you. This whole kumbaya with people routine. Those people are in real pain.
2: Well, of course they're in pain. They're separated forever. They're married one day and the next they're not. What sort of awful place is this?
0: It's reality.
2: Well, I think I'd prefer to be in Angelasia. Yeah,
1: I
0: think I'd prefer that too. Get in, please. Who wouldn't like to live near the, uh, just beyond the meadows of joy and the valley of contentment? Sounds like a good place, right? Well, what do you think happened to this couple? I think it's what happens to a lot of couples. Um, there are some chapters that you can go through in your marriage. Now, you don't have to go through all of these chapters. These are on your listening guide or if you're on you version, uh, they're on the notes there. But there's five things that are possible. We're going to try to figure out where these things, uh, where you are if you're in a, a marriage, where you need to be if you're not in a marriage, and figure out where you need to stay. So, five chapters. First is making deposits. All right, within every one of us, we have an emotional love bank, kind of like our piggy here. Isn't that a cute piggy? What we do is we have this account inside of us with the names of every person that we come across. And people that do good things for us, do things that make us feel good, they make deposits in our emotional love account. Um, it, the people who make us feel bad do things that make us feel bad. They withdraw things from our emotional love tank. And, and so we have this... We, we constantly are checking our account balances with everybody's names on them. And the people who make us feel good... We want to spend more time with them. The people who make us feel bad, we want to avoid them because of what's going on in this emotional love bank. So our emotions are constantly checking to see who's taking good care of us and who's taking bad care of us. We check the account balance on them. And once in a while, someone of the opposite sex comes along. And man, they make us feel good. And they make all of these deposits till they pass the emotional, the, the romantic threshold. And we decide, I want to spend every waking moment with that person because they make me feel so good. They're meeting my basic needs. I think I got it. Meeting my basic needs. And our emotions are so impressed with them that we decide we want to spend the rest of our lives with that person. And we develop all of these nice feelings And so we give our hearts away, we get married, and if you don't understand um, marriage, then you're gonna, and you get distracted by work or you get distracted by children or whatever, you're gonna end up in chapter two. Now, you do not have to go to chapter two, but if you're not paying attention, you will move to chapter two in a marriage, which chapter two is this we stop making deposits. Couples, for whatever reason, just choose to stop making deposits. They get busy with other things. And what they need to do at this point, this is, this is how you keep your marriage going where it needs to go. You go back to chapter 1. You start making deposits again. And this actually comes from the Scripture. If you look at Revelation chapter 2, I think I've got that for you. There it is. If you look at Revelation chapter 2, this is the New Century Version. This is actually a letter written from Jesus to the churches, and he's saying the churches have left their first love. But if you remember that, that in Ephesians chapter 5, we've been studying this for a couple of weeks, that the way that Jesus treats the church is a picture of how husbands are supposed to love their wives. So I don't think it's any stretch to apply this to husbands well. as well. Listen to this. But I have this against you. You have left the love you had in the beginning. The beginning of what? The beginning of your marriage. So remember where you were before you fell. Change your hearts and do what you did at first. So Jesus is saying to the churches, you've quit loving me like you loved me at the first. I think we can apply this to Husbands and wives, you've forgotten what you did to catch her is what you do to keep her. So if you're at this point where you've stopped making deposits, you've got to make a conscious effort to go back and do those things you did at the beginning to start making deposits again. Now, when we stop making deposits, here's why this is critical. We move on to chapter 3. Chapter 3 is we choose to hurt How can it be that someone who starts off with so much promise, because everybody says all those beautiful words at the altar, I will cherish you, I will honor you, respect you in sickness and in health, in poverty and in wealth. They make all of these promises that they really don't have a clue what they mean. It's just preacher says to say them so they think they should, you know. And I think in their hearts they mean them, so what happens? Why, why did somebody who promised, I'm going to love you forever, why do they get to the point that they choose to hurt? Um, because it's easiest to hurt people who hurt us. Hurt people hurt people. So if I'm hurt in a relationship, it's easy for me to reach out and hurt somebody else. And we get these walls built around our hearts where we don't take care of the people that we say we love. Remember what Harley said? You begin to hate each other. The person you pledged to love. And so rather than making deposits, we actually choose to hurt one another. And if we stay here, the relationship will not recover. This is just the way things are. It, you, you can't hurt someone repeatedly and expect to stay to get, together. Then they move on to uh, chapter 4, hopefully. Either, either they break up in the relationship, they get a divorce, or they move to chapter 4, which is where you need to go if you're in that situation right now. Learn to stop hurting this means stop making demands, stop disrespecting, stop pouting when you don't get your way, learn to be honest about your feelings, learn to fight fair, and learn to avoid the love busters. And we're going to talk more about those in just a second. If you can get to chapter 4, then you can. it's a natural, easy step to chapter 5, which is relearn how to make deposits. When you meet your spouse's emotional needs consistently... You will break through the um, romantic barrier again, and it is possible to stay in the romantic area. Now, I'm not talking about necessarily those feelings, those butterfly feelings, but it's possible to stay where you love your wife, where you have guys you love your wife, wives, you love your husbands for the rest of your life. It's possible to be attracted to them. A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the guy's job description. We'll talk about that again in a second. But um, do y'all remember what it was? What's the guy's, the husband's job description in a marriage? Sacrifice. What's the wife's job description? Submission. Okay. So we were talking about the guys, and we were talking about, you lay down your life for her, and if you cherish her, she's going to respond to that. And so, you know, I always have you write things on the, the card, and that day, I challenged the, the ladies in the congregation, the wives, to say, I will let him lead, and, and most of the ladies said that. I will let my husband lead. And then I asked permission. I told Debbie, if, if she hadn't been here, I wasn't going to ask permission. I was just going to ask for forgiveness later, but she was here, so I thought I better ask permission. She wrote this on the back of her card, and, and I want you to hear this, not because they've got it all figured out, but they do know how to stay above that romantic threshold check this out she said I just wanted to tell you that even now almost three years in Ricky and I still quote you he took me on a date last week and on the way home uh, after a wonderful day he drove down a random road stopped the car and danced with me in the street you heard the ladies all the ladies went Oh. and all the guys going oh I should have thought of that one Now, here's why I tell you this. This is exactly why I wanted you to hear this. She said, At that moment, I was so very thankful that we took premarital counseling with you. It was wonderful. Uh, It was wonderful, so thank you. And then here it is I felt incredibly loved and cherished as my husband danced with me. You make the right choices, guys, she will stay in love with you the rest of your life. You make the wrong choices, you start to hurt, and she won't. It's that simple. Now, um, once you break through that that barrier, you gotta stay there. Now I wanted to go back to the movie because I want to see if you can figure out some clues from the movie how to break back through that romantic barrier or how to stay above that romantic barrier as Robert and Giselle begin to talk about love and their, their ideas of love are radically different. Check this out.
1: So what's the deal with this Prince of yours? How long have you two been together? Oh. You mean, it feels like a day because you're so in love.
2: No, it's been a day.
1: You're kidding me, a day? One day?
2: Yes, and tomorrow will be two days. You're joking. No, I'm not. Yeah, you are. But I'm not.
1: You're going to marry somebody after a day because you fell in love with them?
2: Yes. Yes.
1: I don't get it. I mean, how can you talk about loving some guy you don't even know?
2: Well, I know what's in his heart. Oh, okay. Great. Mm. This was so yummy. <laughs> I didn't know that food would taste like this. Right. You all done? Mm. Oh,
1: Okay, mm-hmm. I'll put that out for you.
2: Well, what about you? Mm. How long have you known your Nancy?
1: Uh, it's five years. And you haven't proposed? Well, no, I am
2: no wonder she's
1: angry Well, you know, most normal people get to know each other before they get married They date Date? Yeah, you know, date You go someplace special, you know, like a restaurant Or a movie or museum Or you just hang out and you talk
2: What do you talk about?
1: About each other About yourself Maybe about your interests, your likes, your dislikes, you talk
2: <laughs> You have such strange ideas
1: about love Maybe we should do what you would do you meet, you have lunch, and you get married.
2: Oh, you forgot about happily ever after. No,
1: forget about happily ever after. It doesn't exist.
2: Well, of course it does. Oh.
1: Giselle, I hate to disagree with you, but most marriages are considered a success if they manage not to end, period. Forget about happiness.
2: Well, what about you and Nancy? You know that you will live happily ever after, right?
1: Well, I don't know if I'll make it through today, let alone a lifetime. I mean, that's what I'm trying to tell you, Giselle. It's complicated.
2: But it doesn't have to be no. Not if she knows Knows what? How much you really love her
1: Of course she does We just don't talk about it every minute of the day But she knows
2: How? What do you mean how? How does she know you love her? Oh, no, no. How does she know People look- looking- she's yours? Don't
1: sit, it's okay, you know Let's just walk,
2: can we walk? Her? Okay Well, does she?
1: Yeah. How does she know that you love her? Oh. He knows the song too? How do you show her you love her? How does she know that you really really truly love her? I've never heard How this song. How does she know that you love her? How do you right. show her How you love her? Really nice work. How does okay. She know that's it. Really good job. Let's go.
0: Everyone knows the song. It's just amazing in Disney movies like that. That's a great question, though, guys. How does she know that you love her? The way you act. It's not just in words. She needs the security of your love. She needs you to love her like Christ loved the church. And how did he do that? He sacrificed his life. It's what we've been talking about for three weeks. Look at 1 John 3.16. Here's how we know what love is. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Now, that's on your listening guide. I want you to put above that. If you're a guy, lay down our lives for our wives. Now, this is talking about Christian brothers and sisters, but uh, if you're a Christ follower, you're supposed to marry a Christ follower, so we're going to apply this to the husband-wife relationship. Um, We ought to lay down our lives, guys, for our wives, ladies, for your husbands. So you put the word husband in there. There's our job description, sacrifice and submission. And and husbands, your job is to love her like Christ loved the church. The, the, the Bible never tells a wife to love her husband. The Bible tells a wife to respect her husband. Because if you do not respect him, he does not believe that you love him. That's, that's just the way God wired us. Guys, if you aren't sacrificing for her, protecting her domain, then she doesn't believe that you love her no matter what you say. Um, real love is when I sacrifice for Janie. She feels loved and she feels attracted to me. When Janie sacrifices for me, I feel loved and I feel attracted to her. And I fully believe that it's possible to be attracted to the same person for life. Janie and I are on 22 years. We still like each other. We like to go places together. We like to date. This week, all three of my children are going to be gone to youth camp. That's my wife on the front row. Can you say, party? We're going to date every day. Yeah. I'm attracted to my wife. I think she's attracted to me. And it's because we treat each other with honor and respect. It's real simple. It's not necessarily easy to do, but it's a simple decision that I'm going to treat her well regardless. Remember I talked about ladies, um, guys are steel, ladies you're what? Gold and silk. Very good. Denim, guys are blue denim, you know, blue jeans with holes in them, ladies are silk. Guys, if we treat them as gold and as silk, they will respond to us in ways that, that go beyond anything that you were ever taught or anything you've ever seen in a movie. That's real love. So, how do we stay attracted? Well we have to learn what to do, but we also have to learn what not to do. I'm gonna give you a list of things to stop doing. But first of all, let's define a love buster. Here it is. It's a habit that drains the love bank. Now it's it's not just a one-time mistake. If, if you and I have a relationship, Chad and I are friends, if I do something that, that upsets Chad, it may take a, a couple of, of coins out of the relationship bank, but, but I've got enough funds to cover because we're pretty good friends, right? But if I have a habit and I continually hurt him, he's going to eventually ab- avoid me. And so we've got to figure out what those things are that are habits. Let's look at them real quickly. We don't have a lot of time today to go through all these. I'm going to come back probably in February. I'm thinking about doing a whole love buster series because I think it's that important. But here they are. Let's look at the the love busters. Number one, selfish demands. Who wants to live with a dictator? Okay, so this is, remember, this is habitual, you're always saying, my way is better, and you need to do things my way. And if you don't, I'm going to punish you. And so, that's the first thing. It destroys the bank. And actually, these are abusive behaviors. And most people will not understand that the first three things... I scared y'all. I'm sorry about that. This is serious. I'm laughing. Now... Most people aren't going to realize these first three love busters are actually abusive behavior. And, and if you recognize these, I'm going to ask you not to, not to write down, that one's my spouse, that one's my spouse. I'm going to ask you to watch and see if you have any of these behaviors. Because, because these things are love with a hammer. How many of you would, would come down the aisle? When we do weddings here, we separate the aisle and people walk down. You know, How many of you would come down the aisle if, if the spouse at the front was holding a weapon? Run away. It's okay. I'll be telling you, go, go. I'm going to lock this sucker up. Right? We think that love is enough, but it's not. You've got to treat each other with respect. So the first one is selfish demand. Second, love buster. Disrespectful judgments. Who wants to live with a critic? Confession time. How many of you... How many of you feel like your parents were way too critical of you? How's that make you feel? Do you want to marry someone who criticizes you constantly? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? No. Number three, angry outbursts. Who wants to live with a time bomb? When you tiptoe around knowing they're going to erupt. I'll just tell you, that's one that, that I struggle with in my family. And, and I don't hit anything, I don't, but, but I can get mad. And I can take it for a while, and then I say something. And my words are like a hammer. And it hurts my family. Number four, love buster, is dishonesty. Who wants to live with a liar? Number five is annoying habits. Who wants to live with a dripping faucet? Scripture says, better to live on the corner of roof in, in uh, Old Testament times. They built houses that had flat roofs, so that way they could build extra rooms on if they needed them. And, and the Scripture says, better to live on the corner of the roof than to share a house with a contentious woman or a contentious man. That's like a dripping faucet. They constantly, constantly are nagging at you. Um <laughs> Makes me think of, you know, those little chihuahuas that run and they just nip at your heels and they're just annoying as heck. And, and I wouldn't do this, but have you ever wanted to kick one of those suckers? <laughs> just turn and field goal them through the, you know, over the fence. I have to tell you this because this just made me think about it. Uh, One time Caleb was probably six and and he and Janie went for a walk and they just barely got out in front of the house in front of our neighbor's house. And and all of a sudden Caleb comes running in the house. Dad, dad, come quick. And I'm like, what's going on? He goes, man, there's this crazy mole and he's attacking us. A mole. I'm serious. It's this little midget mole. And so I go out there, and the sucker, you'd get near it, and it would run. It would bare its teeth, this little playful-looking thing. It would go, Hee! and it would run at you, and it would do this. And so I would walk toward it, it would run toward me, and I said, whatever. And so the last, I, I, as God is my witness, the last time suckers started running at me, and I timed it just right, and I kicked him, it was the coolest thing. He went flying across... <laughs> And, and we think he was rabid. That we think that, you know, he, he was sick because they don't normally act like that. But it was awesome. Caleb goes, good one, Dad! <laughs> it's not so cool when the chihuahua lives in your house and you're married to it. It's no fun. Number five, annoying habits. I already said that one. Number six, independent behavior. Who wants to live with an inconsiderate jerk? Now, I've asked you to try to identify the one that you have because, because this is what happens. Usually by the time people come to me, this is the state of their relationship. It's one of the reasons that I require premarital counseling because I want to try to help people before they get into marriage figure out what's going to go on because I've been married 22 years. I've got a very healthy marriage. I love my wife. But it's not an easy thing when you have two people and then you add three more people in the house. I mean, it's just a challenge all of the time, but we're committed. I told her 50 years. I'd give her 50 years. Got 28 to go, and then we'll renegotiate. That's what I told her. So we've made this long-term commitment, and I, I don't want to see you get to this point, but if you are, there's hope. Nothing like throwing your microphone down. I'm just going to tell you there's hope because you can start anew. And if you'll begin doing what's right, because it's right, the feelings will follow later. My desire is for New Life Community Church to have the most healthy marriages possible. That, that everybody here knows that, that if they have problems, this is the place where you talk about problems, where you find solutions. We believe that the Bible has an answer to every problem that you'll ever face. And we want to help you discover that. So we're gonna, you know, I'm gonna encourage you to get this book, um, Love Busters. I saw that on on Amazon. Uh, I think it's 14 or 15 bucks if you get the hardcover. There's a Kindle edition for 9.99. This is an exceptional book to help you if you're struggling. Um, Willard Harley's been a counselor for almost 40 years now, and he's written books about it, and this is this is just one of them. So what I'm gonna ask you to do is this week. I want you to set aside some time to date your spouse. And in case you don't remember what one of those looks like, we're going to show you an example from the movie. When the moon hits your eye,
1: oh, yeah, here. Yeah. Watch this. Watch very carefully. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put it in this hand again like that.
2: Oh, do it again. Oh. Show me. That's wonderful. Show me again. All
1: right, last. Time. There you go. There it is. And look
2: (gasps) You're a wizard (laughs) What? This is a very nice place Yeah And we're eating dinner Yeah This is a date
1: Yeah No, no No, 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 no We're just, um We're just friends Besides, people don't usually bring their children on dates (sighs)
2: <sighs> That's too bad. Morgan's a lovely girl. She's very kind and very sweet.
1: Yeah, she's great. Morgan. Mm-hmm. Well,
2: Does she miss her terribly? Miss who? Her mother.
1: Um. Well, we just... What? We don't talk about it.
2: I'm very sorry i didn't mean to pry no
1: no no it's okay it's just um i don't talk about it to morgan or to anybody
2: because it was very sad not at first you were in love
1: yeah yeah that was the problem
2: how could that be a problem
1: because love you know? the lovey-dovey version that you talk about it's fantasy and one day you have to wake up, and you're in the real world.
2: What made you wake up?
1: Well, she left.
2: I'm so sorry for you both.
1: It's okay. I'm a big boy. I can handle it. It's her I worry about, though. Uh, well, she's shy. She doesn't have very many friends. I just wanted to be strong, you know? To be able to face the world for what it is. That's why I don't encourage the fairy tales. I don't want to set her up to believe in this dreams-come-true nonsense.
2: But dreams do come true. And maybe something wonderful will happen.
1: Yeah, well, I forgot who I was talking to. Well,
2: I hope you don't forget. I like talking to you.
0: And that's it. We've forgotten what it's like to talk to our spouses, how much fun we had with them, how we couldn't wait to talk to them on the phone, um, told you about the letters that Janie wrote, and, um, how I read them over and over until I could see her again. And so we've got to remember our first love, and we've got to do what we did at first, because I think that happily ever after is possible. I believe that's what the Bible teaches, and I believe that's what every one of you wants. But you've got to make the right decisions, so you've got to do the right things, and you got to stop doing the wrong things. Um, so I want to challenge you to go on dates this week. And I want you to remember what it's like to talk to her. And um, let's, let's just pray for marriages. Father, I want to I pause before you, the, the author and the perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before you endured the cross, despising the shame, but you have sat down at the right hand of the throne of God to take your rightful place. I thank you that you've given us all the instructions we need in your word. And when we follow your word, when we obey it, we have successful lives. We don't have problem-free lives, but we have the power to make it through troubles. And there there are marriages here that are on the brink, Lord. And I just pray that you would pour out your amazing grace and power and you would remind us of why we loved the people that we married. And those who aren't married yet, Lord, I pray that they'll be listening and paying attention so that they choose those people who are following hard after you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.